Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators podcast, everybody. I'm joined today by my regular co-host, Miguel and Haley. Hello. We're going to talk today about something that I am very nerdily excited about, and that is <laughs> Wordle. And when I say that, you are either going to be excited too, or you're going to be like, what the bleep are they talking about? I won't drop the F-bomb this early <laughs> into the show. We'll wait. We'll wait a little later for that. How are you two today? Great. Yeah. Haley. Yeah, Miguel. <laughs> Miguel's on a high because he just crushed me at Wordle. But no, I'm doing fantastic. It's a it's a good day. I'm excited for. I'm like anxiously waiting some time in the sun, <laughs> which is supposed to happen next week for us. So you know, doing great, doing great. What about you, Charlie? I am kind of tired because this is my first day back after a va- little vacation I took at the lake with my family. So that was really nice. And I was in like extreme relaxation mode. And so starting work at 5am today was quite a shock to the system. But ah. yeah, Oof. I'm happy to be here with you both. And should we start with our, what is now our regular beginning of the show, our have you heard segment where we're going to update you all on things that are happening in the creator industry and it looks like there's a lot happening to do with subscriptions and like monthly recurring revenue for creators. Haley and Miguel, you both have something about this. Miguel, you want to kick us off? Yeah. So TikTok is uh, testing right now paid subscriptions for content creators to kind of rival other social media networks. Things like uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, they're all trying to find ways to retain talent in their own ecosystem and a really good way for them to do that is to keep people connected on their platform. So if I'm subscribed to somebody on TikTok, for example, then I, as a creator, am kind of more invested in being there because I have people that are subscribed to me via TikTok, so I need to stick around on TikTok. Mm -hmm. That's the company side of it. Like, how do we get creators to stay here? But as a creator, that's good news for you because it's a way other than Patreon and directly in that platform for you to support people who are creating content that you like. And Haley, you noticed something as well to do with this? I did. Actually, this was announced, what, the 19th of January, so a whole week ago. And in short, basically, Instagram is following suit because in 2020, Facebook launched subscriptions. And now Instagram is following suit. And what I actually did not, I saw this in a different news article, but um, they were talking about how Meta or Facebook or whatever you want to call them, they are going (laughs) to be investing a billion dollars into the creator, we'll call, I'll just say the creator economy over the course of 2022. So I thought that was really interesting and incredibly validating. We've obviously talked about that before, but what Instagram has done is basically they're creating the ability just like all the other platforms for you to subscribe. And they launched a beta with like, I want to say only like 15, maybe 10, 10 different creators. It allows you to do subscriber lives, subscriber stories, and then also allows the creators to actually see who is a subscriber. So you get like a subscriber Mm. badge. So if you comment, they can see, oh, this person is a subscriber. And it obviously encourages them to maybe engage with them a little bit differently. But it's something that I don't believe they have released a date yet on it's still in beta on when this is going to be something that the entire community or if there's also going to be restrictions centered around it, you know, like they've had in the past, you have to have so many people as followers or something like that. (laughs) I can't imagine them doing that, especially since they got rid of the link, like their swipe up link, you know, and blocking Mm. people at 10,000 subscribers because there's so many micro people that are, are very influential, but just have smaller audiences. So that is 
the news from Instagram, keeping up with that uh, subscription flow. So it's really interesting to hear how they're implementing that with the badges and things like that. Cause that Mm -hmm. to me, like as someone who's been streaming on Twitch for like over a year now, that's what Twitch does, right? You subscribe to someone on Twitch and you get a special badge in the chat. You can like lock the chat to be for subscribers only and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see Instagram and TikTok, I guess, taking from that game streaming world into the world of wider creators. Yeah, it's cool uh, that there's a way now for your fans to differentiate themselves amongst each other and be like, it's almost like, hey, everybody, like you're signaling to them, like, I'm a super fan, like... I have a little badge next to my name. So when I say something, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not just some rando coming into the chat and just doing whatever. <laughs> Before we move on real quick, that Instagram thing, they're not taking any cut from subscription revenue from their creators until 2023. Hmm. So they really want it to get off the ground. So it's like all profit for another, I guess, at least year. Yeah. So I guess it's a way to incentivize people to get going and not have to share their revenue. Interesting, because also it's a way to like lock them in, right? To lock creators in. Oh yeah. Because if they start building on Instagram, they're like, sweet, I'm getting all this money. And then next year, Instagram's like 50% cut, please, which is what Twitch takes. They're going to be like, well, I mean, everyone's already paying me on here and it's hard to get them to move. Mm -hmm. What's the Patreon cut right now? I cannot remember. It's definitely not 50%. It's much less than that though. Okay. Over on Patreon. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. Much, much less. And it's not platform specific, which is nice. You're not locked in anywhere. So mm-hmm. maybe this should be a topic for another episode because I also have thoughts on how you could use ConvertKit Commerce for this instead to like totally own your audience. But I will leave that for now. <laughs> My have you heard for the day is the YouTube CEO, Susan Wojcicki, launched like a a letter to the YouTube community of the YouTube's 2022 priorities. And there was some really interesting stats revealed in it. One that like blew my mind is that YouTube Shorts, which is like their version of Reels mm-hmm. or TikToks, is at 5 trillion all-time views. So that's 5 trillion views on short videos, which to me signals like, yep, short videos are here to say, and maybe I should mm-hmm. put more effort into that side of my content. They also have the Shorts Fund, which they established like in answer to TikTok's creator fund, I think, mm-hmm. where they're like paying out a portion to creators, to new creators. And they said that over 40% of creators who received a payment for the fund last year weren't already in the YouTube partner program, which is the thing that you can reach when you have a certain number of subscribers and watch time and blah, 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 like hmm. YouTube's version of that um, to have ads on your videos. So interesting that 40% of those payouts went to new creators who weren't earning money from ads previously. And another last stat that I'll say before we move on to our main topic is that the number of channels around the world making more than $10,000 a year is up 40% year over year. Wow. So 40% more YouTube channels in the last year earned over $10,000 in the year. And that's just through AdSense, of course, like YouTube doesn't track brand deals and things like that. Wow. So that's, yeah, a lot of growth happening on YouTube. I think that there's been conversations about YouTube dying for, I don't know, every year for the past five years or something. Clearly it's here to stay. Clearly it's still a way that creators are (laughs) earning an income. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like the moment something is successful, there's always someone talking about how it's going to not be soon. Like this is the year the world's going to end for the last 2000 years kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know that well. We work for an email company. How often have people said, you know, email's dead? Oh, yeah, email's dead. Yeah. Email's dying. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, 
let me show you the like you know several hundred thousand people who disagree with you who use ConvertKit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's move on and talk about Wordle. And so a quick like overview for anyone who is like, what the heck is Wordle? Which I know that you. <laughs> Haley and Miguel, I think as well, were last week when I brought this up as a topic. <laughs> it's like a daily game so where you guess a five-letter word and you have six tries to guess it. You type in a five-letter word and then it'll like flip the squares over and show it green if it's in the right spot, yellow if it's in the word but it's in the wrong spot, and then gray if it's not in there at all. And it's very simple, very addictive. I've been playing almost daily, I think, for the past, I don't know, like couple of weeks now what's your streak oh i don't know because sometimes i do it on my phone and sometimes i do it on my computer and it's like i mean that's the special part about it as well it's not something you have an account you don't download an app you just play in the web browser actually let me post a link to it in our chat right now in case anyone is wanting to check it out but it's created by this guy called josh wardle who's like a engineer and general creator and he made it for his partner who loves word games right and just my there's this new york times article called wordle is a love story which i thought was really cute oh that's cool just about how he made it for her because she liked word games and then they decided to play it with her family and then eventually make it public and the last stat i found for how many people play it daily is that over three hundred thousand people are playing it every day but that number is a few weeks old and honestly in the last few weeks i've seen the number of people talking about it in my twitter timeline just like shoot through the roof I would honestly not be surprised if there was a million people playing this every day. Jeez Louise. Don't quote me on that, but I would not be surprised if that was the number. I've seen people include this in a list of like, you know, phases of the pandemic where we had like the Tiger King phase, the banana bread phase, the sourdough phase, the animal crossing phase. People are saying Wordle as like the current phase that we're in. So it's gone viral. So let's talk about that and what we can learn from it. I'm keen to hear what you two think about this as like newer to the Wordle world. Whoa, tongue twister. Um, (laughs) What are your thoughts? (laughs) It's funny because when you're like saying new to the Wordle community, I'm like, it's really been around. I mean, when was your first Wordle? You said three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Yeah, like early January. So yeah, you're right. It's, um... (laughs) yeah, I I mean, I'm still early. Okay. You know, so (laughs) Here's what I'll say about it is that I think that it's viral because I've played one time. I played right once, only once, even though I knew this was a, this topic was coming up next week. I just hadn't gotten on board yet. Classic procrastinating on the homework. Yeah. Classic, (laughs) classic procrastinating. I did it one time. Okay. I did it one time and I was like, mother, like I'm invested. And I wasn't even done with the game before I was invested. (laughs) And then what happened is while I was on my sixth try, which I'm not going to say it because apparently that's like, you know, you mess things up. I'm not going to do it. You Ooh, can't. Yeah, that's a faux pas as well. It's the same word for everyone every day. Yeah. Yeah. You can't tell people about it. But here's what happened. I learned that the hard way. I'm on my fifth try. Yes. Thank you, Miguel. I'm on my fifth try <laughs> and everything is correct. So all I had three greens that were correct in the right spot and I had two yellows. Right. So the words, they just needed to be switched. So I wasn't, he didn't totally ruin for me, but Miguel posted in our Slack channel, he posted his guess and he only got it. It was his third try. Then it was my sixth try. And then he very quickly 
threw some shade at me and was like, six tries? I didn't even know they gave you that many tries. And so then (laughs) my competitive nature- I didn't say that. That doesn't sound like No, my competitive nature got so frustrated that it took me six tries that now all I'm going to be focusing on for the next however many days is getting it in two tries so I can beat beat Miguel. Miguel. (laughs) (laughs) At a very minimum, three tries. So in my opinion- That story is exactly what made this stupid thing go viral. It's like, it's quick. It's not easy. It's like not taking a ton of time, right? You can, it's simple. You can be intentional about it. But if you really get into it, it's really just about competing with your friends. And now I won't give up. Because the the barrier to entry, it's so easy, right? You just go to your web browser and do it. And, and now- you turn to cheating almost immediately. You Googled <laughs> the word words as if that was supposed to help you. No, it's not what happened. I Googled. It was my first try, Miguel. Okay, don't lie and tell me you didn't Google. I swear I didn't. I get it. I It can be hard to think of a five-letter word. Like, one day I might, like, figure out, okay, there's an O in this word. And then I'm like, what other words have an O in it that's not the one I just guessed? And your mind just yeah. goes blank. It's, yeah, it's a good brain teaser. <laughs> totally. And Miguel, how did you choose the first word that you picked? Because I'm looking at your... Which don't say it. Uh, I won't. <laughs> Bored. Yeah, I'm not, I'm just looking at it. How did you choose that first word? Okay, so I'm going to bear, I'm going to put myself out there (laughs) for a second. So I never stopped playing Words with Friends after it was awesome, like a decade ago. (laughs) So I love word games. So I'm very like, I know certain trends with words. Like, obviously, if a a word starts with one letter, what is a common second letter that follows Mm. it and things like that? And obviously, you know, like if you've ever watched Wheel of Fortune, you know that R-S-T-L-N-E are like the most common letters in any English word. So those are always good, solid guesses. So with that knowledge, you just kind of like see. And then also you take into account your failed guesses. So like, oh, I already chose the letter E and I was about to, my second guess was going to be a word with E in it. I'm like, I already guessed E. It can't possibly be my next guess because... I already know that that letter isn't in it. So like it's stuff like that where like you kind of like funnel yourself into being strategic about your next guess and then you just kind of get there. Miguel's story right now explaining his strategy is I just want to cut it and say that a reason that I think that Wordle has been viral and like successful, it can be summed up by this tweet from Jay Babishi who says, Wordle has given me a non-heavy reason to check in with my friends and family every day in these heavy times while sometimes claiming intellectual superiority over them. <laughs> Except for the one day I didn't solve it. I didn't text anybody that day. <laughs> <laughs> Look, so I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm just really, really smart. And mm. Haley, I'm just super smart compared to your guesses, I guess, mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but this is it, right? Like I'm just I'm pandering <laughs> to her nature, to her competitive nature. Mm-hmm. So Haley's gonna get it in two tomorrow and beat you. Yeah. I think that's a special thing about it, is that there's this scarcity involved, right? That you can only do it once a day. It's a new word every day. Everybody has the same word. Um, it like resets at midnight in your time zone. So being in New Zealand, I actually get it um, a day earlier than all of you. But <laughs> I, don't worry, I won't ruin it for you. There's also this sharing functionality built in. I don't know if either of you did this once you solved it or didn't solve it. But um, you click share and it copies to your clipboard this 
set of emoji using the green square emoji, the yellow square emoji, and like the the gray or black square emoji. Okay, Melanie, I see you now. I get it. That's what Melanie was referring to in the chat here. Okay. It prints out like a a look at what your Wordle ended up looking like without the letters. So you can share how you did without ruining the word of the day for other people. Mm. And it shows if you got it in like three out of six, six out of six, whatever it was. Is that what that means? That's what that means, Miguel. I thought she was doing red, yellow, green. (laughs) <laughs> well, maybe she was as well. <laughs> I am also usually green on a day I solve the wordle. I'm like, she, oh, Melanie's feeling green. She's feeling good. And then she said she was yellow. I'm like, oh no, something must have just happened to her. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm here now. You haven't seen this all across. Maybe it's because you two don't hang out on Twitter as much as I do. But this is, to me, how it went viral, is seeing all these tweets about it. Mm. Like, Half my timeline was these green and yellow squares. And I was like, what the heck is this? And it says Wordle, four out of six. Wordle, sorry, the number that it is. And then the number that you solved it in. There's no link to anything. There's not a link you click to like go play it yourself. So I had to like Google for it and find it and then go and play it myself. And there's something kind of very interesting and special about the fact that this is a thing that's going viral when the sharing link doesn't include a link to the, like what you share doesn't include a link to the project itself. Mm. You have to be invested to like figure out how to play it yourself or have a friend show you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super interesting. There we go, Fokan says as well. Until I started playing, I had no idea what those styles represented on my Twitter timeline. So it's like this secret club, but one that anyone can join. Mm. So what lessons can we learn from this? Charlie, I know you had, at least that was the question that you had proposed, right? Yeah, I don't know, what do you think? I think feel like I've done a lot of thinking about this, but I'd like to hear from you two first. What do you think creators could learn from this whole thing happening? Anything else that you think can, could have contributed to it, to being this popular aside from the game mechanics being simple, fun, competitive, <laughs> the sharing built in? Yeah. So there's two things that I came up with, which is one is there's a compounding effect on the relevance of something by the size of the adoption of it. So mm-hmm. something can be super, super fun, but if it doesn't take off and, you know, it isn't like a sort of like a, a cultural wave as we're seeing with Wordle, it kind of becomes its own self-fulfilling prophecy. And it kind of like, it's like a snowball rolling down a hill. It just, it gets bigger just because it's getting bigger. You know, it's, it kind of rolls into itself. And I feel like that definitely happened here. Like coupled with the ability for this to be on social networks, like, Twitter, it kind of like makes people curious. Like for me, if I was on Twitter all the time and I see all these green and yellow squares, I'd be like, what in the hell is this all about? And then like, I sort of chase it down and find out for myself. And then next thing you know, I'm playing because the FOMO sets in and you just want to be a part of it. And then the second thing I came up with is there's value in the success of the thing itself and not thinking about the full monetized pipeline, you know? Like Mm. if the creator had thought of, like before I release this to the public, what sort of thing can I build around it to make it something that makes money? I feel like that mechanism around Wordle, if it had been like, you have to create an account and you know, there's ads and you know, there's this, that, and the other, that would have made it less interesting to people. It would have created barriers for people, which then would have made it not as viral, which then maybe would have made it never take off and we never would have heard about it because of all that stuff. So the fact that it's stripped down and just basic and the idea is just the fun and the gameplay, I feel like that really helped it get off the ground. That's where I was on it. What do you think, Haley? 
The really interesting thing when I compare Wordle to other things like that we talk about a lot, it, to me, Wordle is universal where a lot of times we're talking to creators and we're asking them to niche down, right? Like get really specific to their audience and don't worry about the size of your niche and, you know, niche down, niche down, niche down. Wordle's really interesting because it's totally universal. It's something that like everybody talks, everybody uses words, everyone writes, everyone, you know, so it's this thing that that you might not be interested in Scrabble, but it's just this fun little mind game. And I just think that it's this universal thing. And so I guess my lesson for creators is like, what's universal inside your niche, right? Like what's mm. universal inside your small little audience, right? Because I'm not saying, hey, go forget niche, don't niche down, right? You're just trying to find something that's totally, totally universal. But I think that rule applies is that you can think of like, what's the universal thinking or what's the universal joy that comes like that can be found in my small audience. And for Wordle, it just, I, you know, obviously that's the the whole world. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the English speaking world, world, at least, although people have been doing different versions. Like I know Julia and our team talked about doing it in Italian. I saw that someone has made Loodle, which is Wordle with like dirty words, which I think is hilarious. (laughs) So people are like making their own spinoffs of this. There was even one person who really got taken down by the internet. It was quite extreme because he made an app like, in the iPhone app store that he monetized that was like, oh, you can pay to subscribe and then you get more Wordles every day or like more versions of it, et cetera. Basically taking Josh Wordle's mm-hmm. idea and using the same name and capitalizing on this current viral success to try and mm. have monetary success for himself. And the internet did not like that. And I think part of it is because Fakan has said here, I, li- I like the fact that there's zero ads on monetization. It's literally a fun game and it's more wholesome mm. because of that. And I agree. I think that, I mean, I did my like, university thesis study on being a digital citizen. So I'm a big nerd for like, you know, just treating the internet as your community and giving back to it. And I think that this is really cool that he's done this, not as a money driving project at the moment. It's like, I'm an engineer, I'm going to make a cool thing and it's going to be like addictive and people are going to enjoy it. And there's something just lovely about that that I feel like we all need at this stage of the pandemic. Just someone who's not trying to take advantage of us, you know, it's just Mm. nice to have something totally for free. It's so interesting though, because I feel like in some way that's so contrary to like what we talk about, right? Giving away things for free. Right. And as creators, like, you know, having the right to earn a living based off of like your work and Mm -hmm. maybe at some point, you know, people become so grateful for this little project and they become addicted to it. Right. And then there is a time and a a way to monetize it that doesn't take away from that feeling. But how do you thank this person or how do you, you know, Mm. say like, ah, like, how do you do that? What's the best way as a creator when you're giving something for free? Is it, you know, doing like a tip jar? Is it, you know, where we still maintain and keep it ad free? But how do we serve or give our thanks and appreciation for the work that went involved, you know, or the work that's involved in this? I like lightly brought this up, Haley, because where I wanted to go next is like, what would we do if we were the creator? Because I don't think this is totally contrary, Haley, to what, what we advise people to do to get people on an email list. We advise you give away a free opt-in, for example. You should always give before you try and take. And I think that the creative Wordle is just giving a lot and like asking for nothing right now. Mm-hmm. What would we do if we were the creator? How could we capture the audience that's like engaged and loving this? 
what are some simple ways you could be compensated for your time spent developing and like maintaining this or like giving people the option to do so any ideas you have for what we would suggest if we were in like a mastermind right now with the creator of Wordle? Mm. So the first thing I thought of was, oh, well, you can find a way to like put ads and stuff in it. But then I was like, damn it me for even thinking that because yeah. one, I hate that. That's like selling your soul in a way, creatively, <laughs> creatively. Wow, that's a word now. Too long for a Wordle though. <laughs> yeah, way too long. <laughs> it's not even a real English word. So I'm like, all right, not ads. Don't destroy the soul of the thing. So you could roll the success of it into different areas because they've proven their expertise. So you could like do like consultancy for other people on making something that is viral, which would be cool. So like you could be like, hey, have you heard of Wordle? Yeah, I'm the guy that made that. Maybe there's companies out there that want to do some version of that or are interested in finding how to unlock the key to making something go viral. And then you might pay somebody that has made something that went viral and pay them for their knowledge, expertise, experience. Mm. And that is how you could turn it into something that makes you money without destroying the soul of the thing you created. I have an idea. There's this great app called Spar that I don't actually, I haven't checked in in a while, but a popular creator and author, her name's Kelly Levesque. She's known for her fab four smoothie. And, you know, she's just like a, a nutritionist, right? And she does lots of different things. Anyway, she launched with, or with a partner um, or so, you know, someone that was her good friend, she helped launch this app called Spar. And basically what it was is it was a challenge. And every time that you didn't check in on that challenge or complete that challenge for the day, you were invested financially. Ooh. So for me, I did a 21 day challenge, like a smoothie challenge. I did this after I had my, one of my kids and, you know, cause I got so many of them and, uh, just three, <laughs> just three friends. Anyways, <laughs> I did this after I had my third daughter and Every day I had to post a picture of the smoothie right before, I don't know, 11 a.m. or something like that. And if I didn't, I had to pay $3. It wasn't like this massive investment, but I had to pay $3. And at the very end, it was all these people joined the challenge. And at the very end, that pot got distributed to the winner. So it went back out to the community. But I mean, I think there are creative ways where you could do this, where it was something like you buy $10 worth and it's like every single day, it's like every time you play Wordle, it's worth 20, you pay 25 cents to play. But if you win, you don't have to pay, right? And it just slowly hmm. ticks down. And so it's almost like a subscription that you're paying to do this. And every attempt that you make in a day costs a certain amount of money, something like that. And it could be very small, but if you win, you don't have to pay. And so I think that's one way to do it. Cause I think the thing that I like about it is that there aren't ads. Ads are one of those things that, that I think really diminish the user experience, but I also recognize the value that they have, right. And how they pay the create, you know, creators and whatnot. And so I think it would take away from the experience if, you know, there were a bunch of ads all over that page, but I'd also pay 25 cents to play for a day or something like that, or a very small minimum fee, and you can buy in bulk or something like that. That's just one idea that I, I was thinking. But I like that there's an option for like a way for you not to pay, right? If you win, you don't pay. Yeah, I think the game should stay free to play, like the everyday thing that anyone can get involved in, whether they even have an iPhone or not, you know, it can just be played in the web browser. That actually probably is a, a thing that I'm surprised might have contributed to its success. But 
I actually think the guy who tried to steal his idea had the right, like, a kind of a good approach to monetizing it. And I'm sad that the actual creator of Wordle didn't do it because mm. I think the internet really would have gotten behind that and, you know, done the thing. We're like, yeah, I want to pay to get access to more. I'm having fun right now. I'm bored. I want to do some more Wordles, but I've finished the free one for the day. So yeah, I'm going to pay for the other ones. That sort of thing could be a way to go. Even just doing like a one-time fee, which I feel like doesn't exist anymore to download an app. Like every single app is a SaaS model now, right? Like every single yeah. app you're paying monthly for. If it was just like 99 cents to download it and have it on your phone, on your home screen instead of in the web browser, I feel like that mm -hmm. could be a thing people would actually take him up on. I had thought of that same thing. Yeah. Just like 99 cents, you'll make money. Like if this fizzles out and it's not viral anymore or whatever, like you made some money off of it. It was cool, you know, and then you don't have to worry about the pressure of like, I have to keep this up. I have to keep reinventing this thing because there mm -hmm. are people whose subscriptions I depend on. And it's just like, mm -hmm. as a consumer, I'm like, I can give this guy a buck. This is at least yeah. giving me a dollar's worth of, of fun. And I want to support this person, you know, and mm -hmm. that's pretty cool if they were to do something like that. Or even if you did something, I don't know what this person that isn't the creator really did that everybody like kind of backlashed on. It wasn't so much what he was doing. It was that it wasn't him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Exactly. And was being blatant about stealing it and like excited about all the money he was making off someone else's mm. viral success, basically. Pecan called out Flappy Bird as an example of a game where there was ads in it, but like we all didn't mind them so much because the game was so addictive. I would say the difference here is that I do not give a shit about Flappy Bird's creator, <laughs> to be frank. <laughs> well, because the guy was like an a-hole, right? I don't know. Don't know anything <laughs> about them. Was it a company? Was it a guy? What's Flappy Bird? Oh, Haley. We'll tell you later, Haley. Okay. Well, yeah, we're, we're going back several years in internet virality to go into Flappy Bird. Dang it. Bird. Okay. There is some commonality there. It's it, with the Flappy Bird thing. Sorry to interrupt you, Charlie, but I was like trying to think about it as like, I think the common thing here is like that social superiority part because Flappy Bird was like, mm. how far can you get before you like smash yep. into the pipes or whatever before you crash? And then you get to be like, well, I got to like whatever the number was, like 30. I, I passed 37 obstacles before I didn't do it anymore. And then like you could try and beat your friends like, oh, yeah, well, I got 42. And, you know, you can kind of have this back and forth. And I feel like that's the streaks and stuff like that. Maybe that's it is where you can kind of like. Okay, I Googled it. I Googled it. Flappy Bird is bringing. Oh boy. <laughs> Flappy Bird is bringing me back like Mad Mario Brothers vibes. Yep. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. We'll tell you later. We're not going to yeah. destroy the momentum we have here by going back in time a few years. With Wordle. Yeah. <laughs> With Wordle. Yeah. I do think it's a good comparison to make, but I think, yeah, the difference is because Wordle has been just like given to us for free and we're all embracing being addicted to it. Whereas Flappy Bird, it was kind of like, ah, I hate that I want to play this game so much. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the ads were kind of a part of that because you knew that the person who made the game was profiting off of your addiction. Mm. Whereas for Wordle, it's like, no, this is just a gift, a gift that the internet has been given, which is kind of lovely. I think, Miguel, was something and you said you part of your first answer was the creator offering services is an interesting mm -hmm. thought because there's not a whole lot of the creator in the site. Like when you go to Wordle, you can get a link to their Twitter from the like send feedback section, but it's just like a link to Twitter. It doesn't list his username anywhere. There's not like an about the creator sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I had to like Google to really like learn about that. And the New York Times article I mentioned really did a lot of that. 
I would not be mad about seeing like a little about the creator thing and like maybe a link to a simple tip jar where you can just be like, hey, thanks for like um, that tweet said, giving me the non-heavy thing to talk to my family about. Mm-hmm. I think that the creator deserves to be supported in that way if people choose to. And I like the tip jar approach to it. I feel like gives the the option. It doesn't make it obligatory or anything like that. Like you don't have to pay to have fun and like join in on the community. And I also would love to see them obviously capture email addresses. I'm always going to say that. Or even like just encourage people to follow them on Twitter for mm-hmm. hearing about the success of the game, hearing about anything else that they're working on. I think would be a good approach and wouldn't be asking too much and wouldn't ruin like the general vibe mm-hmm. of the game either. Yeah, I think what we're talking about here is one of the most, to me, the most interesting things about the internet and success on the internet. It's you're often trading, you have to kind of like balance those things, right? Like how long do you keep something free? Because mm. at the end of the day, you wanted to give something back to you as the person created who created it and also like, upkeeps it and things like that and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for example things like that that are super ubiquitous now like facebook and stuff like that are obviously free but in order for the company to survive it has to make money somehow they went with the ad model and Mm -hmm. user data and all that stuff it's always interesting to me how companies decide to do this like for example giphy a few years back found a really clever way of like being basically like a repository of finding GIFs. And we use it in Slack all the time for like pulling in GIFs based on what reactions help us express ourselves and things like that. And and then they they recently, they were bought out because they were free. Obviously, Giphy was free. The moment that you had to start paying for it, you'd see a massive drop in usage. Mm. So that's obviously what you have to worry about is like the moment you ask to cash in is you're basically cashing in on a big chunk of your user base because then now it's like, who's left that wants to pay me for this? And it just, it's interesting to me. I think that happens only if your method of monetizing cuts off free access, right? Yeah. Or means that you can't have as much access as you used to before because now it's monetized. Mm. But uh, yeah, like we've talked about, I think there's lots of ways that you can monetize on top of offering what's already there for everybody for free. Mm-hmm. Any last thoughts? On Wordle? Other than I'm addicted and I'm going to be working on beating Miguel's three yep. things for three <laughs> tries for the next year. Try not to Google the word words. It's not going to help. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, that might be a good start. Although words itself is a five-letter word, so you could try that. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Let's move on to our last section of the day, which is our listener shout-out. And today I'm going to bring up their Twitter on the screen for this whole time so that you can see it. Today we're shouting out Noah from Provocateach. Noah was a guest on, I can't remember what number episode it was now, but you've heard from him before on the show if you are a regular listener. Noah's working on, he said here, creating a more humane education system through web content. So the web is a big part of what Noah does. And recently, over the past year, he's been learning web development through YouTube and books and podcasts, documentation, no like course or anything like that. And he's been learning to code, increasing CSS, JavaScript, HTML knowledge. And I saw on Noah's Twitter that he's aiming to have his new site out, I think he said March 15th. So we shall all be looking out for Noah and his new site, but congrats on learning to code Noah and giving yourself this skill that you can apply to going after your mission. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So everyone check out Noah on Twitter to follow along with his project. And 
If you would like to hear yourself and your own project, your own win, anything big or small, shout it out in a future episode. I'll post a link in the live chat right now. Fill out this form here, tell us about it. Seriously, anything, big or small, whatever you felt proud of, we wanna hear about it and we wanna shout it out on the show. So please let us know. All right, coming up next week, Miguel is our host. And what are we gonna be talking about, Miguel? Um, Actually, wait, sorry, I lied. It's not next week, is it? Wait, I was like, yeah, are we doing yeah. it next week? <laughs> yeah. Next week, everybody, is the ConvertKit team retreat. Half the team is going to be in Mexico meeting in person. The other half is going to be meeting virtually. But either way, we won't be having an episode. So we'll see you the week after on Feb 16th. And Miguel, what will we be talking about then? <laughs> it's going to be a full house because we're going to have not one, but two guests. Woohoo! Our very own Alyssa and Melissa woo woo. from our deliverability team at ConvertKit. And we're going to be actually talking about what the heck deliverability is and why it matters. If you've heard this word jumping around... When it relates to email, it's very important, but I recommend anybody here who's interested in being a creator to talk about this because it is a super important part about the engagement of your audience mm -hmm. and how your emails get into the inboxes that they're supposed to get to. Because just because you send out an email doesn't mean it gets into the inbox that you were hoping it did. Mm -hmm. It's a big piece of what we do for a living as a company that started out with email, but to listen more, be here in two weeks. Melissa and Melissa are both super knowledgeable and they're just great to talk to. So come hang out. And we'll get nerdy about a different thing. Wordle this week. Yes. Deliverability in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for indulging me, team. And um, we have a Wordle channel in our ConvertKit Slack as well, where you can post your results from the day. I'll just say that. I didn't know that. Whew. Yep. Missed that. Okay. And we'll see the results of our listeners over, over on Twitter. All right. Thanks for watching, everyone. We'll see you next time. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.